and we will get right into the Word. And I have uh, some notes that are being handed out to you, and they're just little, uh, but it's, it's, a, it's sermon notes for a message that I'm not going to get to preach the whole message this morning. So you'll get a chance to, uh, to see all of, the, all of the notes. Today I'm going to be continuing our series on, sorry, our series on Engage. And uh, I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to that. And today is, uh, the message is to engage in God's economy and I hope you've been enjoying this series on Engage, and we're going to do a bit of a review. But, um, gals, if you can divide and conquer, there's more people on this side. And uh, we just want to make sure everybody gets one. But I, I, have, I have a, uh, before we get started, I'd just like to share with you or ask you a, a trick question, all right? So this question is, is for you, and I'm going to ask you, if you have a phone or a tablet, don't use any apps to decide this. I just want you to think about it in your head, see if you can do it. It's, it's actually a little trickier than I should have. I'm just thinking now I should, have, I should not have made it this close. But anyways, so what would, you, what would you rather have? Okay, so I just got back from Malawi this summer. I was in Malawi, Africa, in, and they have uh, their, their uh, currency is called kwacha. Kwacha? Or would you rather have 2,700.27 Filipino uh, pesos? Or would you rather have um, 2,700.27 Indian uh, r- rupees? Sorry. <laughs> How about 700? There's a lot of sevens and twos here. I tried to make it a little tricky. 720.27 Mexican pesos? Or would you rather have $50.27 Canadian? So what, what would you... Now, let, let me just say this. Of course, if we're in Canada, we'd probably like the Canadian money. But I, let's just say we could spend it easily, and, and it was like stores would take it, and it had, you know, the si- similar sort of buying power. You know, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be that, that hard to figure out. But, so, so I'm just wondering, what would you... Like the value, which which one would you rather have? How many would would like to have the kwacha? Just just asking. No one no one wants to have kwacha. You know, it's really cool because you feel like you got lots of money when you're going there. You know, you just you, you go to the ATM and you just stand there while. And I I used to have I actually take cargo pants and I put some in all different pockets in case someone thinks I got too much money. Um, how about this? How about uh, 2,700 Filipino pesos? Anyone want the Filipino money? Dwight, okay, a few of you want it. Some of the Filipino people, that's awesome. That's great, yeah, okay. Um, and how about the rupees, the 2,700 rupees? Anyone want the 2,700 rupee? Okay, we've got one taker over there. And... Uh, Mexican pesos, okay, Ellie wants pesos, <laughs> Brian wants pesos, a few others want pesos, that's good, okay, and the, the dollars, anybody want the $50, okay, so that, that's up to, uh, <laughs> that's up to Doug to hand out all the $50 bills now, just, <laughs> just kidding, uh, so what it is actually is if, if you chose 
the Filipino pesos, you would have more value. Okay, so the next slide should tell you. So the, the 27,000 uh, and, and a little bit kwacha turns out to about $48 Canadian. And uh, the rupees is about 50 bucks. And the, the pesos from Mexico, around 50. The Canadian dollars are worth $50 Canadian. Isn't that amazing? But the Filipino pesos, there's a little bit more. And some of you Filipinos, you knew best anyway. I just, I, lo- I love our Filipino people. I thought I'd make their currency the one that would be the most valuable in this case. But, uh, you know, I was reading about, um, I was reading about George Clooney. Anybody know who George Clooney is? And I, I uh, understand apparently that he happens to be worth just think of it now, half a billion dollars right now. That's a fair chunk of change. And, you know, when, when you think of it if, it, if you take away, you know, take away the good looks and, and the intelligence and the fame and all that money, you know, George and I have a lot in common, you know. It's just uh... <laughs> Anyway, today, <laughs> it's true, though. Um, thank you. Yeah. So we're, we're talking about Engage, and I'd, I'd like to maybe just do a real quick review about some of the things that we have been talking about in the past. And Pastor Matt started about three weeks ago, just why should we engage? And basically, it's, it's because we are the church, and and church is not a building, it's an act of worship for us to engage with the things of God. And a lot of times people like to just have the right ideas, but then their, their engagement is basically just living a sort of a normal life that sort of the rest of the world lives. Not necessarily bad, but just not engaged with the things of God. And God wants us to engage with Him. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was speaking about meeting together, engaging in meeting together, and, and congratulations, you have successfully engaged in meeting together. You're in the room here today, so thank you for coming. But actually, it's, it's a little more than that, and God wants us to engage being together and engage with other people. And I realize that some people are more outgoing than others, and, um, and that's... You know, we all have our own personalities, but, but really one of the questions we can ask ourselves is, is who do we love? I mean, we love our, our family. We love this, you know, per, perhaps just our own small circle. But maybe there's people that God has for you to take an interest in and to show love to in the name of Christ that aren't just in the circle that you have right now. Perhaps there's a, a bumping out of that circle that God wants for you in your life. Last week, Pastor Matt preached a great sermon on worship. Now, if you didn't hear that, you can listen. If you weren't here, you can listen online like most every sermon. Uh, we generally have them online by Tuesday the following week. But last week, he talked about worship, and, and he talked about nine different forms of worship in the Psalms. And I was just going to ask if, if there's, okay, we might not get all nine, but let's, let's brainstorm here. Who'd like to give me one of the examples, one of the forms of worship from the sermon last week? Anybody out there? Speaking and singing, dancing, clapping, 
shouting. You know, I was, I was actually, uh, there's someone that was talking to me this week about they, they, don't like, they don't like it when there's shouting in church. And, you know, we don't do a lot of shouting. But actually, you know, we had that gentle moment about 10 minutes ago or so in the service. And I was talking to you about how Jesus, remember he, he said, you know, come to me and drink if you're thirsty. You remember I was talking about that about 10 minutes ago? You know what the scripture actually, religious uh, feast and it was really crowded? Jesus shouted. <laughs> and he said, if you are thirsty, come to me and drink. Not very Canadian of him, I know, but... Uh, <laughs> and so God wants us to be able to engage in worship. And, you know, I, may I just say, I'm going to, without your permission. <laughs> That's why it's great to come to church on time, because we get to engage in corporate worship. And sometimes if you come 20 minutes late, it's great to come. Don't stay home if you're late. Okay, come. And I, I, won't, I promise not to glare at you, okay? But it's good to come on time to worship God together, to be part of the, the corporate worship, because it's over in 30 to 35 minutes most, most Sundays. And you'll miss it. And, you know, God has something for us to participate in. In worship, we encounter the presence of God in worship. It's actually part of our warfare. It, it's, it goes against, it cuts the, the themes in the worship songs, actually cut against all the messages that we hear pretty much all week long. You don't hear those messages outside of the church environment and corporate worship produces unity. All right, so today I would like to talk to you about God's economy and about money. And like I said, I know nobody has ever said a word about money or even thought about money this week. We think a lot about money, and I know that sometimes people say, well, you know, the church, all they want is your money. That's not the case. But the Bible says a lot about our money. And I'd like to talk to you about, I'd like to talk to you about all of these themes. There's nine themes on those notes that you have. And if we can just go to the next slide, that would be awesome. And that, that will be up there. And it's Jehovah, it talks about Jehovah Jireh. Oh, that reminds me, I gotta get my phone out here. It's Jehovah Jireh. And then uh, the ability to produce wealth. You can, uh, you can see them there. Uh, if you can go back to the, the, the slide seven for a moment, please. Uh, is, is that up there? Uh, the ability to produce, well, there it is, the p- ability to produce wealth and uh, gratitude and contentment and generosity. So those are, those are some attitudes that God wants us to, to have about money, and there's some scriptures there. I'm actually not going to be going through all of those things, uh, today, but uh, the one that the, that I am going to in a few minutes is the tithe, and then also planting and harvesting. Sometimes we use the words from the old King James Version, sowing and reaping. Uh, that's what that is. And then stewardship is uh, part of uh, how to engage in God's economy, and also trust. And uh, so I just have to go to Genesis 22 here for a second on my, on my app. But uh, I, I want to start with this 
teaching on Jehovah Jireh. And how many have heard the words Jehovah Jireh before? Have you heard the word Jehovah Jireh? Jehovah Jireh is uh, actually, it's, it's in a scripture here in Genesis. And, I, you know, I used to be able to multitask way better than this. And I need to, I need to show you something. Because I have been mispronouncing Jehovah Jireh all my life. And I guess a lot of you have as well, since you asked me that or said you've heard of Jehovah Jireh. Now, come on. This has got to work. It's not going to work. Okay, let's try that one more time. <laughs> I'm pushing the wrong bus. Oh, my goodness. Okay, one more time. This is just as smooth as can be. Okay. I can't get the guy to say it, but I think I heard him. Yehovah Yireh. That's actually how you how you say it, and in the the, the story is quite uh, significant. Abraham, the father of the faith, God asked him to do something that was quite amazing. Uh, it's hard actually to put into words and explain it all. It's a it's it's a very strong uh, scripture. He God said, "I want you to take your son Isaac, and I want you to offer him as a sacrifice to me." And it was a picture, of course, of the, the, what the Heavenly Father did. So Abraham actually did that. He went up to a mountain, and he was going to sacrifice his son. And just before he was going to sacrifice his son, an angel stopped him and said, No, don't do it. Thank you. Thank you that you're willing. But no, you don't have to do it. And look over there. Uh, there's, there's that thicket over there, and there's a ram that is caught there. And that's what I want you to sacrifice instead of sacrificing your son. And Abraham, what, what he said at that point is he said, I'm, I'm so grateful for what God has done. And he called the name of the place Jehovah Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. And to this day, people still use that name as a proverb, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Now, we don't use that proverb particularly, uh, but when that was written, it was a, a saying. But we say Jehovah Jireh, which is sort of, the, uh, sort of a, a crass English uh, version of saying that. And the idea is that God is the one that is our provider. It's, it's God. And so what we do as believers to engage in God's economy is that we put our faith and our trust and our hope in God to provide for us. Now, we still work. We still do the things. We still do all the other things that are on this list and perhaps others that are not. But what we, what we have to remember is that God is the one who is our provider. And that will give us, as, uh, as uh, Becky was saying earlier, that will give us peace in our life. And it, it's not just... Uh, it's not just a, a thing where we, we hope 
without any reason. But we have a God who is faithful. We have a God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, like the Bible says. And also he owns all the hills. He owns all the real estate. And he's the one who is able and shall provide for us. He is faithful. And sometimes we look forward and we cannot see how it is ever going to work out. But we look back and we can see the faithful hand of God all through our lives. Some of us shorter lives than others, but God will provide for us. And he is faithful for us. And, of course, being in Canada is incredible. Uh, there's, there's a lot of scriptures that are um, in, in the Word of God that, that talk about the rich and sometimes we don't feel very rich. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I know that I don't very often feel like I'm rich until I think about what the word means. And it's a comparative word. And if compared to so many other people, and even, even some of the great, uh, strong people in, like King Solomon and, and different ones that had, had a lot in their day, they didn't have some of the things that we enjoy. You know, we can go to a tap and turn on hot water, they could never do that back in the day. Of course, they had servants that could make them hot water, but that, that, was, that, that took time. That took a, a, lot of, a lot of effort. We have so much to be grateful for, and God is the one who is our provider, and he's the one that we need to be putting our trust in, putting our hope in, not in our own works alone. Now, like I told you, we all have our part to play and the, uh, on your notes, the second one is the ability to produce wealth, and that's sort of the other side of this coin, is that God will give us the ability to produce wealth. But it's still a, every good and perfect gift comes from the Heavenly Father above, who there's, there's no sh- uh, shadow of turning with him. He is the faithful God, and he will provide for us. God is faithful. You might not see it yet, but God is faithful and he will provide. He will provide employment. He will provide surprise blessings. He will provide in all different kinds of ways, but God will provide for you. And I want to ask you a question because I want you to engage in God's economy. And I want to ask you, are you engaged with the fact that God is the one who will provide? Are you sure about that? Are you, are, are you filled with faith? Are you trusting in the Lord? Well, I trust in God. Yes, but are you trusting in the Lord for your finances? I think it's really important that we don't just go, yeah, yeah, I know, God's Jehovah Jireh, yeah. Well, how about, what, did it, what was that again? Jehovah, yeah, however you say it. Man, I wish that app was going to work for me today. Push the button six times, it still won't work. Try it again, right? <laughs> but let's, let's use our faith. Let's, let's engage with God's economy. If we, if we feel like, you know, not even feel, if we look on, at the paperwork and we say, okay, i got this much uh, to pay and I've only got this much coming in, okay, God, I'm trusting in you. Okay, we can worry, we can fret, and as you know, it doesn't change anything. So why don't we just try engaging in that, believing that God will look after us. Amen. What a a wonderful... See, we don't have to worry because we have God in our lives. We have to work, we have to do our part, of course, but we still... But worrying is not part of our part. There you go. 
That'll, that'll tweet. Worrying is not part of your part. Okay? We do our part, but that's the worrying is not that. All right. And so we're going to jump down to the next point that I wanted to point out and, uh, and uh, highlight here, and that is the tithe. Now, tithing, tithing is a word that Christians, uh, some Christians like and some Christians don't like. And uh, what I hear the most often is that tithing is not in the New Testament, and so we don't have to do it. Well, there's a couple of things I'd like to talk, say about the New Testament. I'm going to tell you what a tithe is as well. But tithing, tithing is found in the New Testament. Jesus actually referred to it, we know of one time. Now, we don't have every word that Jesus spoke, right? We don't have everything he ever said in the Bible. Like, it's, it's not all there. There's other things that he said that aren't there. But we do have one time when Jesus said that we should tithe. He said, you should do it even though it's not the most important thing and you shouldn't forget about being kind and loving and all the other things. But he did say that we should do it. That's one thing I'd like to say about that. So it is in the New Testament, in other places as well, but Jesus himself said that we should do it. The second thing is that the Old Testament scriptures were the only Bible that the apostles even had at the time. The only Bible that Jesus had that he said that it's... it's very authoritative, okay? So even the Old Testament is authoritative. The word tithe and the practice of tithing is something that I'd like to urge you, I'd like to urge you as your pastor, and if I'm not your pastor, maybe I should be, or maybe maybe you're just here because God brought you here today, but we should engage in tithing. We need to engage in tithing to engage with God's economy and to understand that we will uh, be able to walk in obedience to him. And uh, tithing is giving 10% of our income to the Lord. 10%. That's, you know, when you think of how much money it takes to live in Canada, that's, if, we have, if there's 10%, that's a lot of money. And I want to tell you, there's been times where I have allowed fear to stop me from tithing. I just want to confess that to you in my life. I mean, I'm almost old as dirt, right? So it's been a long time. But ever since I was a teenager, when I was working my teenager jobs at my dad's factory and different places that I worked as a teenager, I've been tithing. And I want to tell you, it's worth it. Because God is the faithful one and he is my provider. So check the first point to come back to the, the tithe. And for the most part, the only thing that, that people that don't want to tithe have going for them is that they're fearful of what might happen. If they, will, they might run out of money, they don't trust in God, or they, they just don't, don't want to do it because they want to keep all their money. And that's not part of God's economy. So to tithe means to give God 10%. And what, we, what the Bible really teaches is that the tithe really is God's. And so if we don't tithe, we're robbing from him. Now, that's fairly serious. And I didn't make this stuff up. That's found in the scriptures in the book of Malachi. It's, it says that... Uh, Malachi chapter 3, starting in verse 8, should people cheat God? 
yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due me. And it goes on to say this, you're under a curse because you have not been tithing. So bring all the tithes into the storehouse. It's quite a strong statement. And I, I have to be faithful to God's word. I don't want to tell you this. I don't want to tell you that non-tithing people are under a curse. But that's what the Bible says. And if it doesn't work for you, if money isn't working, if, you're, if the economy is not working for you, perhaps you need to engage in God's economy. Because my testimony and, and the testimony of, of many, 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 many others in this room here today is that when we tithe, God is faithful. And this scripture in, in, uh, in Malachi goes on to say, I want you to test me. Now, think of it. One of the temptations that the devil was tempting Jesus in the wilderness, remember that story? And, and one of the scriptures that Jesus quoted, he says, you know, you should not test the Lord your God. Well, even God says, look, there's one place that I want to ask you to test me. Test me out. You tithe and see if I don't bless you. That's where we're allowed to check it out and test the Lord. I'm not talking about tithing on a Sunday and asking for the lottery winnings on Monday. I'm talking about God providing, God providing in your life. He says, test me and see if I will open the windows of heaven for you and I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have room to receive it. Now, in in Proverbs, that talks about the fact that we should honor the Lord with our, with our wealth. And this is part of what it, I believe part of what it means to honor God is to be tithing. It's an honor to him realizing that he's the one who provides. He is Jehovah Yudeh. He is Jehovah Jireh. He's the one that provides. And so we tithe by giving 10%. And uh, we do it to the storehouse, which is God's house. God's house is the church. And, uh, and one more scripture here, and that is in, uh, in Deuteronomy. It talks about the, one of the reasons for tithing, and it will teach you to fear the Lord. You know, I, I love this because, you know, my, my tendency is, is really to be selfish. I know that, that you're shocked to hear that. But my tendency is not to fear the Lord. My tendency is to do what I want, when I want, how I want. But when I practice tithing, it helps me to keep in perspective a healthy opportunity to honor God the way I should. Come on. I love the amens with the money sermon. That's really good. And I just want to go on now to planting and harvesting. Now this, as a lot of us use the words reaping and sowing, which is the same thing. That's what it means. And in Galatians, it says, don't be misled. Anyone want to be misled? Just kidding. No one wants to be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. So those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired 
of doing what is good at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. There's a principle in God of planting and harvesting. Planting and harvesting. I am not a gardener. But I've noticed that when the weeds give off their seeds in my garden in the backyard, that those seeds produce weeds. Those seeds get planted. I get a bean plant. Amazing. And we will reap what we sow. And as we give, as we're generous, the Bible teaches that we can expect that God will bless us. And that's part of the way that Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Yireh, works in, in it. He says in Luke chapter 6, this is the Lord Jesus speaking personally. He says, give, give, and it will be given to you. Pressed down, good measure, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So let's use a big measuring cup. We've got a measuring cup that I use for pancakes, and the kids or grandkids are coming over. And I was thinking about that. Um, i got to get that measuring cup. It actually holds, what does it hold? It holds eight cups. It's a big measuring cup. And I use that for the pancakes for the kids. Uh, tomorrow morning I'll be cooking pancakes. And, and it's eight cups. So if, if you use a big measure when you're giving, you get a big measure back. And if you just give a tiny bit, you know, now, of course, God's tiny bit might be plenty for us. I don't know. We can start, you know, really discussing it and looking for loopholes. But we're not looking for loopholes. We're engaging in God's economy here. We're connecting with God. You know, we talk about, well, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. Right. Do you believe the part where he said, give, and it will be given back to you? Are we engaged in that? How are we doing? How are we doing? <laughs> We could have a discussion about whether these things are right or not, but frankly, I'm pretty confident that I'm right, and that's not the point. The point is, are we engaging in God's economy here? That's what I want to know. I want you to think about this. Am I engaged? I'm not, I don't mean like, is Mike engaged? I mean, like, are you engaged? All right. Planting and harvesting. And uh, give, and it will be given to you. We, we also want to talk about stewardship, and we realize that, that God has called us. In fact, that's from the very first chapter of the Bible, where he said, I want, I want you to take the earth, I want you to hear, use the earth, to take, take dominion over the earth, subdue it, and, and also take care of it. That we need to be good stewards, because the earth belongs to God. And uh, just about done here, I want to talk to you just a little bit about trust, a little more about trusting in God. And there's a number of scriptures that are on your notes about trust. And the one I wanted to talk to you about is in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 30, because again, it's talking against, Jesus was talking against worrying. And he was saying, look, he says, God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire or the compost or whatever tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. God will care for you. And, and I love this scripture in Luke chapter 12 and verse 32. Jesus, he was saying it's, it's the Father's good pleasure 
to give you the kingdom. We can trust God's heart for us. You know, when we talk about God, okay, God loves me. I know God loves me. And and we talk about that from the front here quite a bit. And I don't want it to be sort of overstated so much that it goes on deaf ears. But let's put it in context about your money. Whoa, (laughs) that's awkward. But God loves you in the context of your money. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the future financially. It's God's pleasure to give you the kingdom. And he will help you. He will give you creative ideas. He will bring people into your life that will, that will maybe encourage you or teach you. God will help you. You do your part. God will do his part. Trust in him. Let God, let God be your savior. Even in this context of your finances. And I, I love this last scripture. I want to share this last scripture with you from um, Philippians chapter 4 and verse, 12, uh, verse 19. And, you know, when Paul wrote this book of Philippians, he was in a prison. He was in a Roman prison, and it was, it was not a pleasant place to be. Uh, the, he talks about chains and I don't know exactly what it was like. Uh, there was times when he was under house arrest, and there was other times when he was actually in a dungeon. And we know there was times when he was looked like he was going to be sent to the Roman Colosseum and be eaten by lions. Uh, I, I don't know where where he was particularly. I just know that this book, Philippians, is uh, one of the prison epistles. Paul wrote it when he was in prison. And he's talking to the people in Philippi, his friends, the the church there. He says, listen, he says, the same God who takes care of me, God has taken care of me. You don't have to worry about me and you don't have to worry about anything. In fact, he says, God will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. God did not spare his own son. God will look after you, and you can put your trust in him. Let's engage in God's economy. Amen. Anybody want to say, yes, I'm, I'm in. I'm going to do it. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's stand together, please. This has been a, a great morning. We've had a really good time worshiping God, and there's, there was a time when some of you made a commitment to Christ. And If you'd like prayer, perhaps you've been worrying about finances, you just want someone to pray with you about this, because it isn't always easy just to say for Pastor Mike to get up and say, stop worrying about money. But we can put our trust in God, and you can ask for prayer for that, that God will help you, to, uh, God will show you his heart. And if, so if you'd like personal prayer, On either side, there will be people that are ready to pray with you. And, of course, uh, there's coffee on. And our class is going to be starting in about uh, 20 minutes. And the food is going to arrive in about half an hour. And and so that's good. If you want to come to the grow class, you can can talk to me. If you want to get baptized, you can talk to me uh, during the coffee time. All right? And so are you ready to be dismissed? Can you receive this blessing from the Lord? I just, I believe I have authority 
to ask God to bless you. And even with regard to your finances, you know, sometimes people get nervous about abundance. And that there's, a, there's words in the Bible about God blessing you abundantly. And I just want to pray a blessing prayer on you. And so receive this in the name of the Lord. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. And may the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace, and give you joy, and give you finances. And, and may, he, may he walk with you as you walk with him every step of the way all through this coming week. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. And uh, coffee's on. You it all. You